Blog Talk Radio. The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. Beyond the Modern World On July 11, 1833, a girl was born in St. Hyacinth, a small Canadian city on the shores of the Amaska River. Aurelie Quet was this child, and she grew to be the first Dominican tertiary of Canada and the foundress of the first contemplative Canadian order. In those days, it was not unusual for a young girl to be deeply religious. Families were close, and the local convent school inspired many an art and child to seek a happiness beyond worldly pleasures. That God would choose and direct this girl was both mysterious and mystifying. In this modern age, we would discard a miracle as a hoax or suggest some scientific fact and thus reason away any religious overtones. Miracles were not common in Aurelie Coet's day either, but they were abundant in her life. How can a, a, a Christian woman like you such a wicked thing, Clara. Wicked? Since when did the truth become a wicked thing? Since you started accusing Aurelie of being a witch. No God-fearing person today believes in witchcraft. Will you have some more tea? No, thank you. I'm fine. Now, just because witches don't practice openly anymore doesn't mean that they don't exist. Why, my own nephew, Tommy, you know, he's the one living near Toronto, had a wart removed from his oh, left yes, hand. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I know all about Tommy's wart in his left hand, but that had nothing to do with Aurelie. We're living right here in St. Hyacinth. This is the 19th century, Clara. Things like that don't happen in Quebec. Not today. Well, there's something strange about that Aurelie Cowett. If she's not a witch, she's possessed, I'm sure of it. <sighs> I think you're obsessed with the devil, Clara. <laughs> you see him everywhere you turn. Agnes, No, I... no, really. Oh, that 
poor cow-wet child is, is just a little daft, that's all. Why, don't you remember when she was just a little thing? She used to play in her, her father's shop, carrying a block of wood on her shoulders, pretending she was Christ at Calvary. That's just the sort of thing I'm talking about. No ordinary child would do that. Only one possessed with a fiendish will to mock the trials of our Lord. Oh, Clara, I, I don't think she was mocking him. You're too harsh. Aurelie should be locked away where she can't harm anyone. Harm anyone? Why, Aurelie is one of the gentlest girls in the entire province of Quebec. All you have to do is look at her or talk to her for a while. And you feel comforted and warm. I can see that she's hexed you, James. I know her as I know any other mother's child, as a warm human being who seems to be filled with the love of God. My dear Agnes, you're, you're just too much of an idealist. Uh, Anyone could blind you with a pleasant smile or a friendly word. She's possessed, I tell you, at the very least. Well, I'm, I'm not saying she is, and I'm not saying she's not. But I will admit it, it makes me horribly uneasy to, to think of her having visions. There. There, that's just exactly what I've been saying. It's not normal. And I hear she mistreats herself, inflicting self-torture. Well, perhaps she's a, a mentally sick girl. I suppose so. Oh, look outside. See how early it's getting dark these days. <laughs> I wonder if your witch had anything to do with that. <laughs> Sometimes I don't think you take me seriously, Agnes. Oh, Clara, I'm afraid to. You might be right. And then what defense would we have against the forces of evil we see at work in this world? You're a fool and a coward. Maybe that's as bad as being a witch. Uh, but one thing's for sure, you make good biscuits, even if they are salty. <laughs> you must tell me how you do it sometime. Father Raymond, I didn't expect to see you again tonight. Well, now I was worried about you. You thought you'd check up on me once more. They tell me you aren't too much better, Arlie. I've become accustomed to suffering, Father. There is a purpose for it in our life, although it remains a mystery. Well, now that is most commendable, Arlie, but we have your health to worry about as well. Father Raymond, this is the will of God. I know he wouldn't harm me beyond endurance. Arlie, this morning you were so ill you couldn't even keep water on your stomach. It's true, I've never suffered this much before. But, Father, you know I've experienced pain. I know, and that's why I worry. When I saw your left hand wounded, I knew you were experiencing something beyond human comprehension. But with your fasting and your weakness, I feared you might somehow overtax yourself. You needn't fear for me, Father. I prayed very hard for you. We prayed together, and God heard us and gave me strength. I know, Arlie. You were, uh, you were able to visit the chapel several days ago. He came to me, Father. Who, Arlie? Christ. He appeared to me himself. Can you tell me about it? I did see him, Father. Will you believe me? I think I can. Tell me, did he speak to you? He said, I accept devotion and love. I give you my special blessing. All I ask of you is to bring others close to me by your prayers and example. You must especially be mindful of those who have abandoned me. 
Abandoned? Yes, he wants me to pray for them especially. But, Aurelie, don't be unwilling to accept health and well-being in your own body. Today has been just too much for you. No, Father. It's been painful, but it hasn't been too much. You have been suffering since before and after the vision. Now, I don't oppose your charity, Aurelie, but together you and I are going to pray to God that you regain your strength. But, Father... If it be the will of God. All right, Dorley. Father Raymond, have confidence. You've allowed me, Lord, the most privilege of all communion. You're always with me, and I'm filled with profound happiness. I want to grow in love and gratitude toward you. Let me share in your own love for mankind so that selfishness will go away and love and brotherhood will make mankind a fitting tribute to the God of peace and creation. I know now that I have a special role in life, a life work ordained by you for your honor and glory. Nice to see you, ladies. Mrs. Fogarty, Mrs. Duke, please sit down, won't you? Thank you. Yes, Father. Now, let me move this newspaper. You know, I get so occupied with duties up here that sometimes I just let everything pile up and up here in the seminary at the convent. It's pitiful to see the messes I make sometimes, but the sisters are so good about helping me out. Father, Father, Monsieur Le Duke, my husband, he's exactly the same way. I'm forever picking up after I guess even <laughs> priests can be like other men. I mean, uh, in some ways, Father. Well, now, I guess that would be natural, being men to begin with, Mrs. Fogarty. I guess so, Father. Yeah. <clears throat> well, now, uh, it's nice of you ladies to stop in like this. You know, it's not always easy for me to get around to see all you people in St. Hyacinth. Oh, oh we understand, Father. After all, you are chaplain here at the convent. Uh, I know. Uh, excuse me, Father. I, I didn't mean to be impertinent. There, there now, Mrs. Leduc. Don't get uh, excited. It's just that your visit somewhat uh, overwhelms me. After all, since I am separated from St. Hyacinth, I, I don't get to see many of you very often. What, to tell me, brings you up here? Were you visiting at the convent school? Well... Uh, actually, no, Father. We we came specifically to see you. Oh, well, isn't that interesting? You will excuse my being blunt, won't you, Father? By all means. I'm very anxious to know what this visit is all about. Father Raymond, we, we wouldn't have come if we hadn't felt the situation warranted some sort of action. Now, please, Mrs. Leduc, Mrs. Fogarty was about to be blunt, if you will, Mrs. Fogarty. It concerns Orly Cowett. Yes? Well? Well, what about Miss Cowett? There are stories going around. What kind of stories? Most peculiar tales, Father. Rumor is that Orly is subject to trances and spells, that she undergoes physical changes, sees apparitions, and has some sort of power over the senses. 
In other words, Father, to be perfectly frank, the people of St. Hyacinth find the situation most suspect. Suspect of what? Why, of witchcraft, Father, of course. Of course? What do you mean? Well, these are obviously not the sort of circumstances which surround a good, normal person. If she's not a witch, she must be possessed, then. You sound quite decided and convinced about Orly, Mrs. Fogarty. But now tell me. A moment ago, you mentioned the people of St. Hyacinth as being concerned in this matter. Just what people were you referring to? The townspeople, Father. Yes, I know, but who? Which people? Oh, I can't give you names right off like that. These are the just the things I've heard here and there. I see. And you, Mrs. Leduc, do you hear this gossip, too? Uh, well, Father, I, I assure you... Clara and I are not what you might call idle gossipers. But you have heard these same stories going around St. Hyacinth. Well, I, I don't get out as much as Clara, but I have heard talk of strange things. Uh, well, that's why we came to you, Father. To see what can be done about this girl performing witchcraft right here within the walls of the church. And that's why you're here? Yes, Father. Did it ever occur to you, ladies, that as spiritual advisor for the Sisters of Notre Dame, I come into regular contact with the girls at the boarding school? Well, yes, Father, but... But I... you thought, perhaps, being so busy, and being only a priest and thus not endowed with the normal five senses, I might have uh, overlooked something this extraordinary? Oh, I... I wouldn't exactly put it that way, Father But Ray. that was your concern now, am I not right? Well, rest assured, Mrs. Fogarty, Mrs. Leduc, I have come into definite contact with Arlie Cowett. And I am convinced she is a dearly loved and blessed by God. She's not only a good student, refined and tactful, but she's modest and most prayerful. Outward signs, only. But important signs, Mrs. Fogarty. Important signs in judging her unusual spiritual gifts. The devil would not be able to approach a child so rich in grace and goodness. Oh, yes, we are fortunate to have Orly in our midst. There was a wonderful place for Orly at St. Hyacinth in the eternal plan of heaven. But, but Father, can you be sure? Mightn't it be a, a trick of the devil? God watches over each and every one of us. And Orly Cowett is not the least of his flock. August 11th, 1859. To His Excellency Jean Steve Prince, Bishop of St. Hyacinth. A young lady has consulted with me about her vocation. Considering her attraction and extraordinary graces with which it appears she is favored, I believe that our Lord is calling her to found a new community. Her marked attention is for a religious life lived in a very specific way. It does not occur to her that she might be called upon to found it. She ardently desires that others will be inspired to establish an institute which, in her opinion, must greatly contribute to the sanctification of people. I have perceived in her person a pure and innocent joy. 
and I also have noticed a deep emotion and an eager expression on her face when I heard her speak of our Lord and his appearances to her. Sincerely yours in Christ, Father Raymond, spiritual Bishop, we've been friends for a long time. Now, I don't think I have to beat around the bush with you. You know what's on my mind. The Institute, of course. Of course. Ah, I wondered why you didn't mention it sooner. Well, I guess I thought, no, I hoped you would bring it up. What's holding you back, Bishop? I can't understand your procrastinating. What would you do in my place? Suppose you were Joseph Laroque, coadjutor of Montreal, living day to day with your work and private devotions. Suddenly, unexpectedly, as he's about to found the institute, Bishop Brass dies. And suddenly you're sent to take his place. Would you be in a hurry to continue his work? What would you do as Joseph Laroque, Bishop of St. Hyacinth? Forgive me, but that sounds positively superstitious. Father... What I'm saying is that heaven doesn't seem to approve of Bishop Prass's project. Then, Bishop, you are a fool. Do you remember the letter I showed you from Orly? Yes, a beautiful description of her visions of Christ and her desire to follow him. But that doesn't certify that her visions are from God and not the workings of her own imagination or of the devil. You would agree, though, that if the vision came from God... A community of sisters must be established. Oh, yes. But how do you prove something like that, Father? Do you have some extraordinary powers yourself that you kept secret from me all these years? <laughs> Hardly, Bishop. I'd be a bishop or a cardinal at least if I did. Hmm. I guess you'd be Pope. <laughs> no, it doesn't require special powers. Only a little thought and a little faith. I'll tell you what, Father... You help me out with the thought, and I'll talk to God about it. That is a deal, Bishop. You may fight me, but God won't let you ignore him. Good. Now, tell me again why this is obviously God's plan. Well, now, just consider when Arlie's last vision took place. That vision and all the other visions took place on feasts, commemorating events in the life of our Lord. Well, perhaps she hallucinates regularly. But with clarity and coordination, all designed to elevate her to God. Details, Father, details. Well, now, consider Arlie herself, then. She's so kind and prayerful. I have never met anyone with such a passionate distaste for selfishness and so full of goodness. She is charitable and she's humble. Many people dislike selfishness and are virtuous. That doesn't mean they've been called to found a sisterhood. But look at her virtues in the light of her life. Here she has been so ill and endured so much pain, and yet she continues to bear all this with great patience. She never shirks from difficult or strenuous work, and she is filled with humility. Perhaps she is saintly, but that's not the only prerequisite, Father. Her desires are in full accord with those of the church. Now, think for a moment. The principal devotions of the church today center around the sufferings of our Lord. 
the Institute would move in harmony with the Church, not discord. I, I can't see your objections, Bishop. I have to be sure we're right. Look, Father Raymond, why don't you write up a listing of all these reasons so I can go over them again at leisure? In the meantime, I pray that God will fill me with faith in this project, giving me joy and confidence that this is God's will. Oh, God, you've granted me a great joy on earth. I have so much to do here, and it's all beginning to arrange itself in a workable pattern. Our cloister will be here, in this very house. My father said we can use the house for two years if we need to, while we're preparing for a larger Orly, home. am I disturbing you? Father Raymond, please come in. Right. I was praying... Well, actually, I was talking to God about the plans for the Institute. God is a source of great consolation to you, isn't he? Yes, he is. Father Raymond, what news is there from the bishop? Now, how did you know I had a letter? Why else would you stop by twice in one day? Why else, indeed? Well, you're right, Dorley. The bishop has definite news for the installation. I can hardly believe it's so close. Does he say who'll be with him? The vicar general, the chancellor... And Bishop LaRoche. They'll all be here at dawn, September 14th. And by evening, we'll be a community. Long before evening, the bishop will question the four of you, and you will request establishment. He'll celebrate Mass, and then give you the rules of the community. September 14th. It's not far away at all. I have just a few words I want to remind you of today. But they are very special words. Let there be no measure to your love for God. These words are not only the motto of our life. They are the very essence of what life is. We must never be slack in living up to them. Bishop Joseph, our beloved founding father, has given us three words with which to extend the meaning of our lives. Fidelity, constancy, generosity. And let us always be fully aware of the one word which ties them all together. Love. Sisters, don't think of love as the fanciful dreams of an eager imagination. Love shouldn't require that you reach for the unreasonable that is beyond your strength. Remember, it is necessary to bear hardship with patience. Be practical in love. Love by sacrifice. Live with God, the truth, the light, and the love of mankind. God is love. And he wants you to live with him. We have chosen God, and God has chosen us. We are to serve him with fidelity, constancy, generosity, and all of this for love.
Forgotten how pleasant the spring day can be. Yes. Spring seems holier than winter for some reason. Oh, I don't know. It's just, well, different, I guess. We could barely get out at all this winter. The drifts were so high. Clara, did you mind the snow much? Well, it kept me in, but I had something to keep me busy. Well, don't we all in the cold weather? I mean, beside the usual chores. Something special to keep me spiritually occupied as well. Well, that's nice, Clara. I was busy sewing and putting away things for the convent. Oh, oh, the sisters at St. Hyacinth. They're really fortunate. You're always doing so much for oh, them. Oh, I didn't mean the sisters of St. Hyacinth. I always give them gifts and provisions in the summer. No, I was thinking of the sisters of the precious blood. They have so little and do so much. Not those sisters. But, Clara, I thought... Oh, that... I know you were always suspicious of them, Agnes. I? Why, I remember I when really you... I really can't see why. Mother Catherine Orley is such a saintly woman, and she's done so much to help my family and said so many prayers. But, Clara, you used to say I was... What? Well, that... That, that there was something strange about Orley. Not strange. Special. I always thought there was something very special about Orly Cowett. It's too bad you couldn't see it. Clara, what on earth did you you know that when Orly was a little girl? Today's life is fast-paced, complex and complicated. Life is not easy, but then life never is. There are certain overall precepts which can be applied to life, no matter what the century, the technology, or religiosity. One is love. Love everyone and everything. The gifts of God are many, and we're not meant to be abused or harmed. From love comes peace and brotherhood. If you truly love, you could not want to hurt or fight your brother. We are all one with God. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, 
and bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymore for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV-AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore, attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour Productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need, please visit our website, at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore, Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.